Happy Sabbath, everyone. Once again, my name is Gina Gordon, and I am here to share the word of the Lord with you. I make that statement kind of for myself because I remember my freshman year, I came to PMC on a Sabbath, and I sat in the very, very last row. And on top of that, I was actually late to church. But it's just amazing to see that God can take me from the last row all the way here to the stage. And I would just like to acknowledge God for everything he is doing in my life and everything he'll continue to do as well. I'd also like to thank Pastor Dwight Nelson and Pastor Jose Bourget for just making it possible for me to be here today. Um, I sincerely thank you guys. Now, would you open your Bibles with me or turn on your Bible apps? And would you turn with me to Matthew chapter 25? Matthew chapter 25, and we're going to be looking at verses 34 to 40. Matthew 25, verses 34 to 40. When you're there, can you just say amen? Amen, Amen. all right. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, come you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, And as much as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. WWJD. What would Jesus do? Pray with me. Heavenly Father, all I ask is that you be the center of this sermon. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. So Jesus is talking with his disciples, and he tells them three parables. The last parable is the one we're going to focus on today, the parable of the sheep and the goats. So Jesus says, I'm sitting before all the people. I'm going to judge them. And I'm going to separate all the nations, all the people, into two groups. How many groups? Two. One group will be the sheep, one will be the goats. And he'll turn to the sheep and say, remember that time that you shared a meal with that guy? Remember that time that you simply gave a water bottle, you shared your water bottle with that girl? Remember that time that you showed hospitality to that new person on campus? Remember that time? 
Yeah, what you did to that person, you also did to me. Receive your reward. And then Jesus will turn to the goats and he'll say, remember that time that you didn't donate your clothes? Remember that time that you didn't visit that sick person in the hospital and you knew that they were gonna be alone in that room? Remember that time that you didn't visit that prisoner? Remember that time? Yeah, what you didn't do to that person, you didn't do to me. And you receive a punishment. That's basically a summary of the parable of the sheep, the sheep and the goats. So, if I asked you, what is Jesus trying to teach here? What is the lesson? I first can tell you what this parable is not saying. It is not teaching that we need to do good works to be saved. It's easy to think that, but I've realized that type of thinking comes from people forgetting that this is a parable. And a parable is what? A parable is a story with a lesson. So Jesus isn't saying, this is, this is what's going to happen when I come to earth. But instead, he's showing his disciples, and I believe us today, that through this parable, through this story, there is a lesson for us to learn. So, remembering that this is a parable, what is Jesus trying to say? What is he teaching? I'm sure if I had the superpower of reading everyone's mind, there would be different answers. But I'm sure, I believe that we can all agree that Jesus is teaching here for us to care for all people. Amen? Care for the hungry, the thirsty, the strangers, the naked, the sick, the prisoners. Care for all people. Care for the less unfortunate. Such a simple task, such a simple lesson Jesus is trying to get across. Yet, we sometimes fail to perform this simple task. We fail to care for all people. Why is it? Hmm? Why is it that we fail to care for all people? Why is it that I fail to care for all people? Let me tell you a story. So this Christmas break, um, I, went to, to, I went to the wonderful island of Jamaica. Amen. <laughs> Amen. It's a great place because, you know, we have year-long temperatures that are above zero degrees, amen? Lots of sun. It's great. It's great. And I remember me, my mom, my dad, we went to this cook shop, this restaurant on the wayside, on the roadside. And quick tip, if you ever travel to Jamaica or any other country, get out of the restaurants, get out of the hotels, and really, like, enjoy the street food, because I think people know, or some people from other countries, they know that the street food tastes so much different and so much more authentic. So that's just a quick tip if you travel. Um, but yeah, we were at this restaurant, eating, having a good time, great food, and then this car pulls up. This car pulls up, and I realize it's a car 
for a nightclub. And some girls come out of the car, and I realize that they are the workers for the nightclub. They are what we would call the go-go girls that work there. And they sit, they get their food, they eat. So I'm eating, enjoying my food, and the Holy Spirit says to me, "Gina, I want you to get up. I want you to go sit with those girls." and talk to them. And I said, huh? <laughs> Me? God, is this, is this really you? And the Holy Spirit once again repeated, I want you to get up, go sit with them, and go eat with them. <clears throat> I wish I could forget this other part that the Holy Spirit communicated to me. He said, I want you to get up, yes, sit with them, eat with them, but I want you to tell them about the Jesus that sets captives free and brings bond and frees anyone from any type of bondage. And you know what I did? I stayed glued to my seat. I did not move an inch. I even got up ready to leave. I passed by the table. The Holy Spirit's like, yo, talk to them. Talk to them. Eat with them. And I just kept moving on to my car. It's not something I'm proud of, but the Lord is working on me. And I believe he is wanting to work on you as well. And I think you can relate. I didn't want to be seen with them because I wanted to protect my self-image. It was inconvenient. It would make me uncomfortable to sit with them. I mean, I just wanted to enjoy my food. I was on vacation. Jesus, can't I take a vacation from being a Christian? Can't I take a break from loving my neighbor? And I also questioned, would Jesus really do this? Would Jesus really like get up and go sit with those girls? Would Jesus do it, LJ? You say, yeah? yeah? I'm glad you know because I sadly forgot. I forgot Mark chapter 2 and Matthew 9 where it says that Jesus sat and ate with sinners. And when we think of that verse, usually what comes to mind is Jesus sat and ate with murderers and probably homosexuals. He probably ate with some prostitutes. But really, that verse is saying that Jesus sat and ate with everyone. He sat and ate with you and with me. He sat and ate with people whose sin was visible to the eye and with people whose sin wasn't so visible. He sat and he ate with you and with me. So yes, Gina, yes, Jesus would sit and eat with those girls. And I believe that one of the main reasons Christians fail to care for all people is because we don't know what Jesus would do. 
We want to be like Jesus so bad that we actually aren't. We're far from being like Jesus because we don't actually know him, including myself. We don't know what he would do in certain situations. Would Jesus protest? Would Jesus really forgive that sin? We become so paralyzed by the question, what would Jesus do that we fail to do anything at all? So, Gina, how do we fix this? How do we fix this? Well, I'm glad you asked. (laughs) It's a very simple solution, right? Take your Bible. You know, you could preferably turn to John, start there, and then you pray. And you say, Lord, show me Jesus. Open your eyes, start reading. I believe that the Lord, if you ask him and you search, he will show you exactly what Jesus would have done in that certain situation. He will show you who Jesus is. And don't think that it's just going to happen when you read it, when you read the Bible once. It's not a one-time thing. I believe it's a lifetime process of learning who Jesus is. And when you do that, certain things that seem unorthodox, unusual, trust me, you'll begin to see that they're actually biblical, that they're actually things Jesus would do, but you gotta take the time to read the word. And this is the part of the sermon that I wanted to start listing things that the Adventist church is struggling with. I want to start talking about all the hot topics in the church, and especially because it's Black History Month, amen, I wanted to talk about things um, that relate to the Adventist community and the black community. Um, I wanted to do that because I have this great platform to speak out and for me to be heard. And I wanted to come against some people's ideologies and prove to them that this thing is biblical. This is what Jesus would do, right? I wanted to do that, but I can't speak on what I don't know. If you ask me, would Jesus do this? Would Jesus want the church to do this, Gina? There are some things where I really, I don't know. I don't have a stance on it yet. But Gina, you're a theology major. You're in you're ministry. You're a woman. You're a female. You're a minority. You're black. Shouldn't you know? Shouldn't you have a stance? Sadly, I guess I'm just a different type of person, and I don't have a stance yet. And this morning, I would actually like to address those who don't have a stance on all these hot topics in our church. Usually, it is assumed that everyone is either liberal, conservative, conservative, A, or B. But there's some of us who we just, we don't know. We don't know yet. So I don't stand up here ordering you to read your Bible and get to know Jesus, but I am doing it with you. I believe someone here needs to commit with me that we're going to take the time to study, to search, to struggle and wrestle with the Bible. And we're going we're gonna to get back to the Bible. And we're going to search out 
what would Jesus do? No matter how long it takes, we're going to search out and try to find the answer to the question of what would Jesus do? I'm learning that though I may not have the answer, I may not have a secure stance on all these topics, silence, I don't believe is what Jesus would want us to do either. So I'm imploring whoever is still questioning, would Jesus do this, would Jesus do that? Join me in committing to opening our Bibles and figuring out what would Jesus do. We can no longer be silent. We can no longer stay in this state of paralysis, just standing still. And let me give you uh, this opportunity to join University Sabbath School in the rec center, 10.30 a.m. Sabbath mornings, because we're going through the book of Acts and seeing what did the disciples do? What did Jesus want them to do? And how can we replicate that? Join us, University Sabbath School, 10.30 every single Sabbath in the rec center, the bottom floor of the campus center. Amen. But there's more to what Jesus is trying to say in this parable. Not only is Jesus trying to teach us to care for all people, but he's trying to comfort us as well. What do you mean, Gina? Well, look, let's take another look at Matthew 25, verses 40 and 45. And it reads, And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, and as much as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. 45. Then he will answer them, saying, Assuredly, I say to you, and as much as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. Jesus, the king, identifies with the least of these. Jesus, the king, the highest on the societal scale, identifies with the least, the lowest on the scale. Jesus, the king, is on the side of the least of these. And he isn't just saying, I identify with you, but he's also saying, I identify with what you're going through. So let me break it down just a little bit more because there's beauty in God's word, and I am just praying that someone will be comforted by the next words I say. Verse 40, let's just read that one more time. The king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, and as much as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Jesus is saying here, for the least of these, and some of us, we are the least of these. We don't, we don't, we're not the goats, we're not the sheeps, but we are the least of these. We're the ones that are hungry. We're the ones that, we're, that are sick, that are held captive by something. We're the ones that are suffering. So Jesus is saying to those who are suffering, when someone gives you something, I get something. When someone feeds you, I get fed too. And when no one gives you food or drink and you're hungry, I, Jesus, 
am hungry with you. And when you're struggling and there's no one to help you and you're alone, I, Jesus, the King, I'm struggling with you. And whatever you are going through, you, there, there's a time when you'll begin to believe this lie. You'll begin to think that I'm alone in this thing. You'll begin to think that there's no one here to support me, no one here to help me. You'll begin to believe the lie that you are alone. But I'm going to tell you something that I heard a few weeks ago. Alone is a lie. Alone is a lie because you have Jesus. It is such a cliche statement, but I have to say it. You have Jesus. You have someone that is going through what you're going through with you and feeling it at the same time you're feeling it. You are not alone. Jesus identifies with your pain. And if that doesn't give you much comfort, I find it interesting that Jesus says the least of these, right? These is a plural word. It's the plural word for this. So that means that there is more than one person out there that's suffering, more than one person out there that's hungry, sick, imprisoned. So you can find healing in community. You can find someone that can relate with your pain and can help you through that pain. You can find healing in community. Don't do it alone. Don't believe that you are alone. I believe someone seriously needed to hear that this morning. And like I said in the beginning of this sermon, many would agree that this parable is, yes, teaching us to care for all people, and I I agree with that. I, I definitely agree with that. But Jesus is trying to say something more, something so much more deeper. In the New King James Version, verse 40 reads, I know I keep reading this verse, but I got a reason. It reads, and the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, and as much as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. The ESV, it reads, and the king will answer them, Truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. And the NIV would read, the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, hmm, you did it for me. When people read this verse, they miss the fact that Jesus said, least of these my brothers, least of these my brethren, least of these my brothers and sisters of mine. So looking at that, who are Jesus' brothers and sisters? 
Who are Jesus' brothers and sisters? Well, you don't have to guess. You can, we can look right in the Bible, and the Bible gives us the answer. Amen? Amen? So if you look at Mark chapter 3, Mark 3, verse 35. You want to turn there? That is good. Mark 3, 35 reads, Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Who are the people that are supposed to do God's will? Who are the people that are intentionally, intentionally, yes, doing, trying to do God's will? Aren't Christians the ones that try to do God's will? So if Jesus' brothers and sisters, he says, are those who follow God or who do God's will and people who do God's will are Christians, then maybe we can replace my brethren or brothers and brothers and sisters of mine with the word Christian. And let's read, we can probably read verse 40 and replace the word Christian in there. So in the, it would read, and the king will answer and say to them, assuredly I say to you, and as much as you did it to one of the least of these Christians, you did it to me. So yes, yes, Jesus taught us to care for all people, for all of humanity. But Jesus is highlighting here to the disciples and to us that we need to care for the hungry, for the thirsty, the strangers, the naked, the sick, the, the imprisoned Christians. Care for the least of these in the church. Care for the least of these who are Christians. And if you don't believe me, you can do some more research, look it up in the Bible, look at other scholars, look at it in the Greek, and you could see that Jesus is trying to highlight the least of these who are Christians. Outreach is helping those outside the church, but in reach is helping those inside the church. And that is what Jesus is sharing with his disciples. So as RVP, um, I had to make a speech at the beginning of, or February last year, yeah. And I hope no one really remembers, but I said in my speech that I was determined to have, and for Andrews to have community service projects every single month. Every single month, I wanted to do a community service projects where students could help those outside the church, and all those plans that I had in mind, they all failed, every single one of them. I wish I could say one of them at least worked, but no. Every single outreach plan, community service plan that I wanted to implement, they all failed. And I asked Jesus, why? Why would you make me look so bad in front of everybody? I promised them this, and I can't, I didn't, I wasn't able to deliver it. And he just directed my focus to helping people who are already Christians, that are already in the church, through Sabbath school. Something I, I forgot the importance and the effect that Sabbath school could have. And he showed me through hosting University Sabbath School every Sabbath, Rec Center, 10.30 a.m., He showed me through hosting that, 
Christians and those in the church, they need love too. They need, they need more encouragement. They need reminders. They need care as well. But why, Jesus? I argued with Jesus, I'm sorry. But why, Jesus? Why do we need to care for those who are already in the church? They already know the gospel. They're all good. They're fine. If they need anything, they can just pray to you and you'll, you'll have their backs. Why do we need to care for those who are already inside the church, Jesus? I believe Jesus taught the disciples to care for the less fortunate Christians for he knew that the church cannot do effective outreach if the people in the church are dying spiritually, physically, or mentally. Have you ever, for my college students, have you ever written an essay while you were tired? Yes, yes we have, because we're always tired. Um, we, if you, you write that essay, right? You're typing, just trying to get it done, and then you go to sleep, you wake up the next day, you read it, it makes no type of sense. It makes no sense. You're wondering, what did I just say? This doesn't connect with this. Include the introductions and the, it's just a mess. And because we're tired, we're not able to do our best work. We're not able to give out our best. And that is why I believe Jesus wants us to care for the church. And you can even get so caught up in trying to help people outside the church. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but we can get so caught up in that that we forget and we neglect those who are in the church. And then we wonder why there's mayhem in the church. They've been neglected. There needs to be a balance so then we can then do our best work out there. And I think Jesus knows that it's easier to love on a stranger than it is to love our own family members. Because, you know, if you feed a stranger, you could just give them the food, go. You don't have to build a relationship with them. They only see the good side of you. It's just, boom, done. But I want you to think about that one person in the church, that one Christian that you just don't like that just really gets on your nerve, that's just really always nagging you to do this, change this, think of that person. Visualize them in your head. I'll give you time to do that. Think of their name. Just think of how much you just really don't really like them, right? What if I told you that you're going to go to that person's house, you're going to drop off a gift, but you're gonna stay there the whole day, and you're gonna cook them food, you're gonna clean their house, and have a five-hour conversation with them. Many of us would not be so quick to jump and say, yeah, let's do it, yeah, because we don't like them. We, we know their flaws, right? And like I said, it's harder for us to love those inside the church sometimes than those outside the church because that is when our characters are truly tested. I can't take um, credit for this next line, but Pastor Jose, Jose, he just mentioned that when you're caring for someone out there, they could be the next Christian. And when you're sharing food with them, evangelizing to them, doing something 
they're seeing God through you, and then them seeing God in you and through you and all around you, that could then lead them to be the Christian that will be inside the church tomorrow, the next day, the next year. You never know. So yes, care for those outside the church. Yes, I support community service. It's great. But the Lord has shifted my perspective this year to care for those already inside the church. So as I close, I pray that yes, you had a shift in perspective of how you, you understand this parable, but I also hope there's a shift in your mind to once again realize that people in the church, Christians, need care as well. Yes, care for all those outside the church. Follow Jesus' example. Understand what he would do. And also gain comfort from the fact that Jesus cares for you and identifies with everything you're going through and can offer sympathy, yes, that is what Jesus would do for you. But don't forget that Jesus would and wants us to care for our Christians, our brothers and sisters in Christ. And I don't limit that to just the Adventist church. We should care for all Christians, all believers that believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. I pray you are blessed today.